Well, hello there, Sam here. Look at us go, two episodes in and we are already releasing bonus episodes. We're going to do this from time to time when we have something that we really want to dive into outside of the main show. These episodes might not be your bag and that's okay, that's fine, we get it. But if you're interested in electric cars and transport, this one might be for you. This week, James, mm. you tricked me. It feels like uh, we were doing cars as the we're doing World Car Free Day as the topics today. So you went, oh, Sam, are you free? When was it Tuesday? Mm. Uh, go along to this. It'll be fun. It's a fun event. What did you send me to? I sent you to a, a, a launch of an organization called Stop Burning Stuff. Now, this is the uh, brainchild of uh, Robert Llewellyn, the former uh, Red Dwarf actor who's now an electric cars advocate, and Quentin Wilson, the... Um, the, the veteran motoring journalist, and they've basically launched this new campaign against uh, what they call misinformation about electric cars. They're big fans of electric cars, and they see uh, stories in the, the press and the media and people going on, you know, when you have politics live on the TV, you'll always have someone on there poo-pooing the idea of electric cars, and they wanted to sort of uh, fight against this with a, basically a new lobbying organisation. So, yeah, I sent you along to talk to a bunch of um, electric car zealots. Uh, it, was, it was like meeting you 20 times. Um, <laughs> it, it was actually great. I really enjoyed it. It was a room full of genuinely optimistic people and people who cared about the it's world. A, it's okay, you can say men. You don't have to say people. Do you, know know what? What? Do you know what? Uh, there was a lot of men. <laughs> um, men love the cars. And that was nice. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of men. There were women and mm. the spectrum i assume was was represented it was a good event i think it brought to light a lot of the issues that we are already talking about uh, one of the things we touched on several times was the fact that we are a fairly captive audience but i think the real takeaway from this event will be to empower everyone that's here who's already involved in the process one of the points that was raised is most of us know someone who doesn't have an electric vehicle and how we can use the information that we've gathered in a more robust way to influence positive change. Well I'm a member of Sussex EVs and we're a, a, a membership of about 750 Facebook members and this came up in one of our feeds just to say this event was on and I thought, well, I'll come along here. And I've just thought the day was fantastic. I really, really enjoyed it. It's a big event. There was a lot of people there who follow the Fully Charged show, um, which has just passed a million subscribers. Um, something we can only dream of. Not not professional jealousy, just outright jealousy there. Uh, <laughs> but really, who did buy into it? And there's a community out there who believe in better in the car world. <laughs> Would you ever go back to, to petrol or...? No, 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 never, never go back. Well, my, so we're on our second EV. We've got to count backwards five years now, I think. Yeah, five years, yeah. Do you think you would ever go back? No, no, there's no chance. <laughs> no chance of going back. It, it, it is it's, it's quite a revelation. I don't think you, people get used to what they've always had. Do you think you ever will go back? No. No, I'm on the second EV now. Yeah. That was a big head shake of, uh, no, not happening. No, I, I don't, why would you? I mean, you know, it's so, so good for so many reasons, isn't There's, it? Uh, people like the rumble, right? People like the, the petrol rumble, the, the history, I don't know. I'd, like, I'm... Uh, well, I'm a, <laughs> I, I, I love petrol cars and I love diesel cars and I like all cars. Yeah. But actually, uh, no, I, I, you know, I could go to, 
a few weeks ago, went to the Goodwood Revival, which is all about old cars and everything. Still love that. Festival of Speed, Goodwood Festival of Speed, still love all that. But I think the way that we do our normal transportation now um, is, is, for me, it's all electric. And I keep saying that to all my friends and I'm trying to get them all converted. Mm. I, I mean, I find what they're doing really quite uh, inspiring. I've, I've got my my issues. I'm not sure misinformation is quite the way to think about these things. But I think the idea of sort of promoting electric cars is a good thing because as much as a public transport advocate as I am, as you can sort of tell, yep. uh, the ultimately, if we're going to hit net zero, if we're going to you know get, uh, solve the climate problem in time, then the easiest thing to do is persuade people who already drive a car to drive a slightly different car rather than change the way they live and rebuild public transport infrastructure because that just takes much longer. We've got to be careful with snobbiness here, though, right? That mm. it's not teach people not to have cars. But people like cars. People like petrol and diesel. People also are driven by necessity and price. And, and there's a lot mm. of factors. It's not about saying to people, you're wrong, do it better. Mm. I think yeah, I think a really big mistake that environmentalists often make is they come across as a bit preachy. It's just like, if only you could behave a bit better, then we wouldn't have this problem. Yeah. When obviously normal people, <laughs> ordinary people are, who aren't broken by the internet, they don't spend their lives thinking about this stuff. And people have genuine sort of commitments. People need to, you know, take their kids to school or, or get to their shops or anything or, or, and, and just live their lives and, and get to work and so on. And so the, the way to do it is to sort of, again, shift the uh, underlying incentives by changing the underlying infrastructure and, and, and so on. And that could, inc- or that could include uh, the government doing things as well. For example, um, if we could build loads and loads of public uh, electric car chargers, then the people would think, hang on, this is weirdly more convenient than petrol cars. <laughs> um, mm. Or if we could um, you know, offer subsidies for people to switch over to um, EVs, people would be more likely to... Uh, to, to do it because obviously the problem for electric cars at the moment and this is the, the sort of elephant in the room of the entire electric car discussion because we all know we need electric cars eventually but they're still slightly too expensive mm. um you know i think i think the the sort of most quote-unquote affordable ev is generally considered to be the mg4 uh, which starts at 25 grand for a new car but like not everyone buys new cars I, I i don't buy new cars my car was three thousand pounds and so we're gonna we need to wait for a sort of second hand market to uh, emerge and that's obviously just going to take time because people have cars for like 10 years so do you know what this event I can't mm. go into to the detail of all of it because we haven't got time but it, it was brilliant it, they, they went through the myth busting of of kind of the rumours and the things that appear in the press and the, they're just not true and they mm. were, it was really thorough and it was really interesting one thing they did concede was about price and saying there is that high price point and, and that is 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 mm. unavoidably true um, but it is changing and also they were talking about uh, the use of fleets and when fleets were buying up cars for businesses or kind of buying up electric cars a few years down the line, that then does feed the secondhand market. Mm. Uh, but private buying is some way behind fleet buying at the moment. I think it's the next few years are going to be really exciting. What we're seeing is a lot of the fleet cars um, are now kind of two, three years old and are looking, we're now looking for those to hit the secondhand market, which in turn makes it more accessible for um, those to be privately owned rather than through companies. So that only can draw that, that can only drive up uptake of electric vehicles, making them more affordable. Which I think, for the general public, is one of the massive hindrances when it comes to owning an EV. 
Yeah, this is the thing. So people, the average car on the British road today is something like eight and a half years old. So I think just mechanically, it's just going to take a while for uh, everyone to replace. I think it's like when we when we all got smartphones, that was quite quick. But that's because people upgrade their phones every couple of years, and and, and a phone is a relatively cheap and easy thing to replace. If you're spending a lot of money on a car, it's it's going to take a lot longer. It's not just cars; it's vans as well. If you imagine every big company that has a fleet of vans, so Amazon, for instance, they're trying to uh, whether for cynical sort of publicity reasons or sincere reasons, who knows? But you know they're trying to electrify all of their vans on the road. And if you can just and it's almost like an easier argument because instead of having to persuade millions of people to change their cars, if the government can say to just thousands of larger companies, uh, replace all of your, your fleets with electric vehicles, then that's a big chunk of the, the electrification we need. And politics comes into it in a big way, right? This is not just a society move. The, the, again, at the event, there was the examples used of regulations and, and tax mm. breaks in America and, and uh, the EU. It's more about uh, stipulating recycled materials or, or whatever. But there's mm. interventions in, in, in nudging the market. Now, I met a man at the event who had a big conservative rosette on, was keen to, <laughs> to show that conservatives care think as well. he wears that all, everywhere he goes? He might do. It may have been soldered to his body. Um, uh, let's listen to him now. Alan, we're here and I've seen that you're wearing your conservative badge and it kind of is almost surprising to see someone saying proudly conservative and in the EV world. You don't seem like some long-haired hippie. Um, what's brought you here today? Well, I've been an EV driver for um, three or four years now. Um, as a conservative, I'm a conservative environmentalist. Not all conservatives are, are uh, anti-green uh, policies, although we don't quite like the term green, obviously. Um, and yes, I am a district councillor at Horsham. I am keen to make sure that our new planning uh, uh, policies contain um, green, use the word green again, I'm sorry, uh, environmental uh, ideas. You don't with... need to be sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's in the political world, it's, uh, uh, it's an issue to you. Well, for us to use the word green. Is there, is there a version where it wouldn't be? Is there a version where conservatives could be proud to be green? Conservatives are proud to be environmental. Yes. But not green. <laughs> not green with a capital G. Okay. <laughs> little, little green. I, I, have, I have colleagues and friends who are of the Green Party, and I get on with them quite well. But, unfortunately, because of the way politics are, that we're getting off topic here. So, James, he mm. was very keen. Alan was very keen not to be described as green. Mm. That seemed a bigger deal than talking <laughs> about the event and the policies was not to be labelled green. He mm. talks there about, I've got friends who are perfectly reasonable. It's a bit unnerving that it's so toxic. Yeah, but I, th I think it's really encouraging. The fact that you had a conservative at an event like that uh, is, a, is a really good sign because obviously... It's all well and good if all the people who care about the climate are sort of, you know, right, right on left winger hippies with, you know, who, um, who are walking around without shoes on and without washing or whatever all the stereotypes are. But if we can actually persuade Tories, business people, you know, uh, and and you know, people on the right, on the political right, to that climate is important and we need to transition, then that's that's a really important step. I ended by asking Alan uh, what more the Conservatives could do uh, to be environmentally attractive at the next election? Um, I think they're already doing it uh, in, in some ways. Um, Boris Johnson brought forward uh, the uh, uh, ice vehicle ban 
um, from 2035 to 2030 already. Um, I think that uh, the Conservatives are with their levelling up, with Michael Gove uh, looking at planning and stuff like that. They are looking at doing more sustainable um, uh, policies towards building housing stock. Uh, I think it's already there. And then a few hours later, uh, the story broke about Rishi Sunak changing those net zero pledges. Uh, it's not a simple battle, is it, James? It's going to keep mm. going. How big do you think the environment's going to be as a policy conversation at the election? So I genuinely think it could be a big thing. It looks like it's going to be a big dividing line uh, with Labour, um, between Labour and the Tories. I mean, the, the Uxbridge by-election was it's clearly going to be looked back in many decades or centuries' time as this big seismic event because this is what uh, basically scared the political parties and made them think we need to think about how we campaign about climate stuff. And it's what has probably motivated uh, Rishi to sort of renege on some of these climate targets. And it's, so, it's tricky, right? So, mm. I, like, he's keen to make the point that it's about people and it's a time of cost of living and mm. crisis that's, that's happening there and actually it's making it relevant and achievable and not forcing people to do things that are very, very difficult and traumatic for them. Mm. There's merit to that. No, absolutely. And I think that's why uh, he's pushing it because it is clearly something he can push on because by by its very nature, if we're going to actually do anything with the climate, if we're going to build any of the infrastructure or um, transition in any meaningful way, that involves spending the government spending money and people slightly changing how they live and so on. So if, if he can say, hang on, I don't want to put you through that to people, that's probably one of the most, at this point, one of the most persuasive arguments he's got. The Labour rebuttal to that, I think, would be to look at the opportunities which um, which uh, the climate transition presents because I, I, Keir Starmer's whole shtick at the moment is about green growth. This is the idea that if we can invest in net zero and uh, change the energy system, then there are big opportunities for growing the economy because of all the infrastructure we'll have to build and that'll create jobs and so on. There's and an so, irony there, isn't there? That mm. con- you're, and I agree with you that the Conservatives are going to be making the point about working people and don't forget them and Labour are going to go think <laughs> about all the money we can make. This is the, the really funny thing. So as on the morning we're recording this, Ford, the car company, have put out a big statement uh, basically laying into uh, the Conservative government for reneging on these net zero targets. And I just find this very funny because if you were to think about it even a few years ago or traditionally, I think you would think, oh, big business, they're going to be evil uh, capitalists who want to pollute the <laughs> pollute the world. They hate the environment. Um, that's just evil bankers or whatever. And they'll, they're the ones who are really pro-net zero. <laughs> so there's a really, there's a really, really good point I thought made at this Stop Burning Stuff launch event and I can't remember forgive me representative of the panel who made it I think it was the representative of the National Grid mm. um, who was saying that if we go for 2030 to ban petrol and diesel cars the EU and, and, mm. and the rest of the, the kind of the developed world I mean, 2035 I think mm. and someone in the audience said why don't we match up with 2035 and they made the point there's a real competitive advantage to do it mm. sooner that the companies have getting their production lines in order, seven-year cycles for products often in the, the car industry. But we can be five years ahead. And so as, as other countries are coming on to go, oh, we need to get some electric cars, we need to be better at, at, at meeting the deadline, we can be ready to help them and go, oh, mm. we've already done that. Here you go. Here we can sell you some stuff. Yeah, if we, if, I, if we can facilitate companies by giving them an audience and giving them a market and say, here, you can sell your stuff here, uh, and that's what they can pioneer uh, all, all of the different things that electric cars will need in the sort of supply chain and ecosystem around them. Yeah, as soon as 2035 hits in the rest of Europe, we'll be we'll be the ones with the stuff people want. Well, unless Rishi pushes it back and we'll be the ones just doing the same as everybody else. And business loses out, the planet loses out, but maybe wins a few votes. 
Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> How would you sum up your view on electric cars? Oh, they're fantastic. They're fantastic. It makes life so much easier. Like, um, so the, the Kona, I'm a nerd, I'm a software engineer. So when I was driving the Kona to and, to and from my work, it was about 60 miles either way, I kept stats on how like the efficiency how much it used and then made sure I've had cruise control set on various speeds uh, so you can see the little graph yeah. I told you I'm a nerd this so is an evidence-based opinion yes. it's good so when yeah. I started the people were like well you know I'll probably do this much and, yeah, yeah. and I was like well I could just find out like, I've got to do the grind every day I might as well just make a spreadsheet so factually speaking you love it yeah yeah, yeah exactly I can equivalently say with empirical evidence it's much better than a petrol car um, and how are you finding your electric car experience great I've had it now six months. It's brilliant. I've got solar panels on the roof. Yeah. I just charge it. I charge it mostly from solar panels, and it's a great, great experience. And I, and I think I lose about that, that guilt. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> we, yeah. All, we all need reasons to do things. Harming other people. Yeah. I mean, in the end of the day, we're, we're, you're harming other people, and that's it. That's the thing. 